did you ever think we were going to speak again? Yeah. <laughs> I was under the impression she is gone. Not not in terms of like falling out or differing no. of opinions or anything like that. But I'm like, I know where she is. I, I you know, but it's just not my life anymore. So I, yeah, that's, I'm glad that you're more optimistic than I am. I was like, oh, that's so funny that you say that. You know, it's so interesting because I think for me, obviously high school feels so far away because, but because it, is. it is right it's yeah. so totally far away and yet i think because we're now in our 40s am i allowed to say that have you given yeah. that away on here yeah oh no <laughs> but my but my husband's 50 and okay. so because he's a little bit older i've watched him reconnect with these friends from youth mm -hmm. in this age of his and so i'm like oh i wonder if that's gonna happen to me and oh, sure enough like I here's these moments so i think there's something about just getting older being slightly nostalgic looking back yeah and then also as you say like everything back then was fun and there was no falling out just like yeah right yeah yeah it's, it so, was, I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're optimistic i just yeah. as i said i just i was like oh that's it's nice but maybe <laughs> not welcome to wherever you are my name is ryan mcneil in toronto canada you are listening to episode 291 of the matinee cast it's the movie loving podcast of the matinee.ca your home for cinematic passion and perspective Dear listener, I struggled with an introduction for today's episode and today's guest. Part of me thought of telling you how we met, except that I cannot remember a specific where and when, only that when I was 14 years old, a much shyer and much more awkward version of me suddenly found that his life was surrounded with five new wonderful friends, and she was one of them. Part of me thought about how that could lead into thoughts of nostalgia and how bright that light burns this time of year as we get into summer's end and one thinks not only of summers gone by but of school days in the past part of me thought about talking about the way our taste in film can change and how my guest and i used to have such different taste in film hers let me say it better and how those tracks eventually merged and finally part of me wanted to talk about the people that we think we've lost, not from disagreement or falling out, as, I, as you heard me just say, but just time and circumstance, how they can linger in our thoughts when a song comes on or an old photograph is found, and how you never really know if they are out of your life for good or just for a while. I thought of all of those things, and I couldn't settle on one, so you got little pink spoons for all, and I hope you can hear in my voice just how excited I am for today's episode and today's guest. She's the co-host of the Reframables podcaster with her sister, Rebecca Davey, a show dedicated to thinking about the ups and downs of our lives and reconsidering the perspectives of what we encounter from the west side of Toronto. I am so excited. Natalie Davey is here. How the hell are you? I am really excellent and super happy to be here with you, Ryan McNeil. So am I. I, I, can't, I can't wait. Um, quick few things just off the top of the show. Uh, first of all, this show marks 15 years that I've been doing the writing and the podcasting, writing a little bit less these days. Um, I am so, so thankful for the encouragement and the chance to do any of this. If it's your first time stopping by this space or your 501st time, I'm so happy you did uh, and happy that you find me worth your precious time. Um, thanks for that. Uh, second of all, this is the end of a season for the podcast. We usually take September off around these parts. Between there always being so much going on schedule-wise in September and cinemas being so spotty with their releases, it's a good time to recharge the battery. Around here, regular shows are going to take a break for a month or so. We will have an audio postcard dropping or, uh, with during the Toronto International Film Festival, so watch out for that. But regular shows will resume with episode 292 in early October. Before any of that, though, we need to get out the goods for this week. On episode 291, we're going to go back a little bit into last year and talk about Pig. But first, we need to learn more about Natalie. This is Know Your Enemy. By the way, I decided you have the most lyrical name of anybody I know. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Those five syllables together. Natalie Davy is just, I'm like, mother hell. All right. You've heard a few episodes. You know how this goes. Nat, you're on the hot seat. What is okay. the first film you can remember seeing in a theater? Home Alone. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay. <laughs> Tell I think there the probably were others. Like, I really do actually think that I would have seen other films, but that's the one I remember. And it was because it was such a visceral experience of like 
laughed till I cried. It was myself and my sister and like a family friend who would have been like an aunt at the time. And right. I, she took us and we had popcorn and it was just such an experience of this is what it means to laugh. Like right. it was that experience. So yeah, I remember that one so explicitly. Okay. So you would have been around 13 years old when that happened. Did you like, when you guys were younger, did you do a lot of movies as a family, you and your friends? Was, like, was that a thing for you? I mean, movie time has definitely been important as a family watching movies. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I know I have a memory of watching A2 Mama Tambien with my parents. So that was awkward. <laughs> so watching like the opening couple of scenes is like, Oh, and here we are. So that kind of thing was, so definitely we've always watched films. And like, I remember when Rebecca and I watched the beaches, we weren't in the theater though. So it was a lot no. of like recorded films that yeah. we would take the sort of trek down to the blockbuster and rent them. And same, but with, very but much with beaches, Oh my goodness. We take, we recorded that one and we cut off the last, for some reason it didn't take the last 10 minutes. So like we're at the sobbing part, like where everything, the whole world has fallen apart and we're flipping out and yeah. we're running up the stairs and just sobbing in front of my father going, you have to rent this film for us. That's when we could like jet down Rathburn and go to that blockbuster at that time and grab it. So anyways, lots of movies, but not in the theater. That wasn't okay. a big thing for us. Just because this is something I know and my listeners don't, can we please just put a cherry on the Itu Mama Tambien conversation? Can we please tell everybody what your father does for a living? So my father's a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously a very liberal one, but it was still, like, yeah, it was very, his suggestion. <laughs> just, just, you know, wanted to put that one out there. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, Home Alone. I mean, I saw that in a theater too, which I'm similar to you. I wasn't really going to the theater uh, when I was younger, much like you, it was more watching things at home. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was, it was like maybe, maybe, maybe two or three times a year through childhood. Uh, But yeah, that was one. It's exuberant. I mean, I don't really care for it much anymore, but at the time it's, it's, it's belly laughs in Mm -hmm. a crowded room and probably our first real encounter with comedy like what yeah. you know, like what you would later physical see, comedy. Yeah, yeah. What you would just but like what you would later see in a stand-up club or what you would yeah. later see like a cabaret night, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we hadn't had that kind of a real experience. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Okay. Very cool. Home alone. Uh what is the last film you watched that is not one of the ones we're gonna talk about today? So when I made uh like when I thought through through this part of this our conversation. I was at that point, it was Thor love and thunder. (laughs) So that's the one that my husband and my son and I had all gone to the movie theater to see. So it was my first return to the movie theater, to be honest, since COVID. So that's, and, and it was one that we chose to do this on purpose that way. Like we wanted something not serious. We wanted something that we could enjoy together as a family. My kid is eight. And so this was sort of like his big move into theater watching. So that was a lot of fun. But since then, actually, I've flown back and forth between the UK. And so I ended up watching two films on the plane. So one of them was the Nick Cage one with um, Mandalorian Dude. So I really loved it. Like, I really actually enjoyed parts of the kind of like filmography stuff in it. I just thought it was there was lots of really hilarious lines. I didn't think it was brilliant, but I liked I liked the story. I thought it was fun. And the other one, and I'm going to get so mad at myself for forgetting what it is right now. It was the mom daughter pick. That's, that's going to get tons of awards this year. Everything and everywhere. Everything all at once. everywhere all at once. Yeah. So I watched that one. Okay. So those were the two I watched on the plane. So very that's, different, but no kidding. That's a wild mm-hmm. double feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, those, uh, I mean, we have episodes on both those shows that people mm-hmm. have caught up with them since, cause they are both now on demand. Uh, I'll, I'll have links in the show notes. Uh, you can take a listen to what we thought. Those are actually oddly enough. And they're so drastically different. Those are two of my favorite movies this year. Really? Uh, the, Nic- the Nicolas Cage one, just because it owns it, like that, sh- that that should not work on concept. Really, no, that's just far too meta to to really land, and yet it just always knows exactly where the line is. Yeah, it never actually goes over. Everything, everywhere, all at once uh, is just a spectacular piece of work. I, mm-hmm. I would love to sit down and show everybody I know that one. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting to see a better movie so far mm-hmm. this year. You know, we got like four months to go. That that movie's incredible. And just the more I think about it and the more I read about it, 
the more I continue to appreciate it on so many other different levels. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad. I'm glad oh. you like those too. Oh, that was definitely. fun. But, but you know what? I think Thor deserves a little bit of attention. Just I, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, though I was, it, it's, it's a lot of fun to see in a big screen. Um, yeah. I'm sure you, your kid must have enjoyed the heck out of that. Oh my gosh. He loved it. And I think he, like he felt really seen in it oh, yeah. in that the ending is so kid focused. And so I right. think not to give anything away for anybody who hasn't seen it, but just that idea of including mm-hmm. the child perspective in one of those films, which I don't think really has, I don't think Marvel's done a ton with that. So no, there it's, it's, it's kind of a corner that they, they, they tip, they dip their toes in the water. They dip their now toe. and then, yeah, but, exactly. yeah, but they haven't really gone there. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good, I'm, I, that must've been a great time. I did. Yeah. I listened to your, I listened to your show where you talked about sneaking in the candy cause you didn't want to pay concession. <laughs> prices. Like, yeah, that's good work. Uh, I, used to, I hate that stuff. I know. I, I used to sneak in like, burritos so i i totally totally get you no shame (laughs) uh now what's one of the worst films you've ever seen wonder woman 1984 i was so mad i was so mad about that movie because i think that patty jenkins is super smart and i think that gal gadot is wonderful like i really enjoy watching her and i was like how are all these smart intelligent humans involved in the creation of something that for me didn't hang together compared to so many of the other of that genre and that bugged mm. me i was mad like i was like as a woman i'm going screw you industry because mm. it sort of felt like how much of this was to do with with cost i mean i don't know because it looks expensive but at the same time did they get as much i don't know i have no idea i'm not the person that you are in terms of your insider scoop stuff but <laughs> to, i just was really struck by how limited the script was and that I- irritated the hell out of me i think the difficulty with the studio pictures uh is uh, the properties all of them whether they're a comic book or or a ya novel or or a cartoon or whatever is they're all made by committee right so you it's really hard to get one person's vision whether it's the writer or the director i've cooled on that i I did enjoy it at the time i've I've come down a little bit since then but what i liked at its core was it was it wanted to tell a story about not getting what you want about about you know real selfish d- wish fulfillment including our our gods and our heroes and how you know that's not always a great thing at a time like that drop right into the middle of pandemic at a time where people were really getting restless and wanting their own thing um but as yeah as, as time goes on like I've, i'm starting to see more and more how messy uh it was uh but Messy. that's a good it, word to describe yeah, it that's what yeah, i felt and that so. i was like like make it tighter that's yeah. i think i was waiting for the tight when they had to me it seemed like they had all the potential yeah. access in the world so yeah they'll get a mulligan when they do a third film so. yeah exactly <laughs> uh what is a classic or essential film that you have not yet seen blade runner really yeah okay. i know any and, like is it is it are you're not are you like avoiding it or is it not Probably your thing or just, point, we just haven't got yeah. to it? No, that's a good question. Because, I, I mean, again, my husband loves that film. And it's like something that really calls up sort of, I think, formative story experiences mm-hmm. for him. And we've talked about it. And so I feel maybe because I've talked about it so much, I kind of already know it. Okay. But then if I'm going to spend my time, which feels very precious these days, and I don't get to necessarily just sort of say, now I'm going to sit down and watch a film. Um, like lately I've been watching throughout the pandemic. I've, I've watched much more television and specifically yeah. cartoons. And I wrote an article about how watching cartoons with my family saved my sanity in the, in the pandemic for Chatelaine. And I wrote that article very specifically about like a number of cartoons that I think are super thoughtful and much more, I mean, thinking back to Thor, much more um, adventurous in terms of their engagement with topics like sexuality and gender and racism and classism. I mean, like Shira, you know what I mean? Like things that are yeah. just doing really amazing stuff where where the kids are getting exposed to ideas that you and I didn't have conversations about maybe at home or at school, just depending on our circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so movies like a Blade Runner, which I think would have been that mm-hmm. in my husband's time for him, I I've just been spending my attention elsewhere. So I need to do it. So am I avoiding it? That's a hard question because maybe I am. I would but- I would say it, like hearing everything you're saying, if it's very very important to to your partner and and you haven't seen it yet, what I would say is uh, give it a go when you can track down a screening. 
because mm. it does it does play like we're 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 in movie going Shangri La. There are screens all over the city, and that is one that bubbles up. Now I'm going to be watching for it for you. To be mm. honest, um, that's what I just like. Go in a chance when you can be in it. One of the times that I specifically remember seeing it that I thought was just so apropos was they showed it during an, a free screening series, outdoor screening series, several years ago in Toronto. I say several now; it's probably like ten. I saw it in Dundas Square. Okay. Which was just crazy because so much of that movie is just bombardment of media and advertising around you. And I watched it like surrounded. There, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Okay, that's a good I, – I'm excited for you. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to talk to you when you get a chance to see it. Both okay, in terms of okay. What you think of it in terms of your your you know your critical brain and your, your analytic brain, what it means to your partner. Oh, it's going to be good. Okay, uh, cool. Last but not least, and I'm very curious about this, for any rhyme or reason – what is a movie that you wish you had made? I think I have to say No Country for Old Men. That one, I used to teach that film a lot okay. um, as an English teacher. And I feel like I know that film so inside and out because of just the way that I would teach it. Like we would do, I'd print off some of the script and we'd actually have it in front of us, like the opening monologue. And and we'd just sort of analyze the the kind of montage of just landscape scenery and I just feel like the Coen brothers did such a beautiful work with that text mm-hmm. that to me I'm like I could have done that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm like yeah whatever you got nothing on me no but I actually do feel like I was with them in it anyways like I'm like well I was there yeah. <laughs> in your brains so if I loved it this much then I was a part of it, so I'm all in that. <laughs> oh, that's a fantastic answer. I love that movie so much. That, that's yeah. like when I saw that one, it just hit me like two barrels right in the yeah. chest. Just it's got so much scope. Mm-hmm. So much like it, it's you know, there's a lot of movies now that are created in studios for reasons of cost. This is a movie where it's like you can tell that they are outside in the very like in the largest parts of the country just with a camera and sticks, you yeah. know, and they're just they're letting the landscape do the work for them um and and and, it ta- and and it's a master cra- it's a master class in in just everything in sound in in vision mm-hmm. certainly in writing you're right in performance too what i love about that movie is even the smallest parts are really fleshed out and really yes. uh you know yeah. thought through like i think of the woman who like runs the trailer park yep. and how she seems to be one of the very few people to really like talk back to Anton yes. Chigurh. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. At the one hand, I'm like, I was so I scared for her. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, just... I was like, when are you going to get killed? And I'm not yeah. sure which, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a fantastic answer. Oh man. Um, amazing. We will talk more when we, uh, I'm having you back. This is not a one and done. Like you are, <laughs> you're in the rotation now. Get comfy. You're going to get calls. Um, I'll have, we will have more with Natalie when she comes back for a second time. Um, before that, as I said, we're going to go back a little bit um, into last year. So this is a movie that's on demand um, that you can find in all the usual places. And please do, because um, it's a movie that's got a lot to it we're going to talk about pig on the new Mm -hmm. slang right after this is directed and written by Alec Sarnoski. It stars Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolfe. Pig is about a loner out in the woods named Robin Feld. That's Cage. He lives a modest life. No phone, no internet. He forages the land for truffles and then turns around and sells them to a restaurant supplier named Amir. That's Wolfe. The only company he keeps in his life is a pet pig who helps him find the truffles until one day the pig is taken from him in violent abduction. This sends Robin back into society, all the way back to the city he once called home, and he enlists Amir's help to knock on old doors, walk through old haunts in search of information for his missing companion. In doing so, we learn more about who this loner is, who he was, what he left behind, and why. 
as I mentioned in the introduction, a lot of my appreciation for film is an appreciation that Natalie had several years before me. I got there eventually, but it was like that thing when you get into a band and a fan of the band is like, yeah, welcome to the party, pal. Today's film was Natalie's choice. I gave her carte blanche of anything to talk about, and this was one of the first films that she recommended, in case you're wondering why we're reaching back into last year. So, pop quiz hotshot, why? Of everything we could be talking about today, and to be clear, I am not asking this in a negative or accusatory way, why pick? What is it about this film that has stuck with you over the last year? With my uh, Reframables podcast, my sister and I have a Substack that we, so people subscribe and they get sort of the show notes and, you know, like references to what we talked about in the podcast, but they also get a recipe. Hmm. And I do this recipe every week because of, I mean, I'm a good cook, so it's something I enjoy doing. And my sister's always asking me for recipes. And so it just kind of made sense. It, it felt like sort of a symbiotic kind of relationship between conversation and food. So even though I'm not in any way a trained chef, this is just something that we've decided is a part of our sister-based story that is sort of like the core of what makes Reframables what we do. Pig for me was just really connected to what I was already thinking about. I'm constantly like my time in the kitchen is is when I do my big thinking. So like I often like I, I write, right? I write for a living, I teach for a living. So when I'm planning out my courses or when I'm thinking of how I'm going to craft my paper for whatever publication I'm putting it out to, it's a lot of that is done while I'm chopping and while I'm moving about in the kitchen, because I'm not thinking about the thing I'm cooking as much as I don't have to, right? It's more natural for me in there. So I can just sort of use it as a bit of a meditative kind of process. So Pig really spoke to me as a film. Surprise! It surprised me that it spoke to me yeah. because the opening scene is him preparing, well, basically like the film being divided into those parts, like that opening chapter is essentially him, it, is him preparing a dish. Yeah. But it's so not about the dish. I mean, the yeah. dish is what he's doing, but we're learning about him through the dish he's making. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me. It feels really, it feels very natural and very human. And I'm not, I'm just drawn to that type of storytelling where there's the act of something is being shown mm -hmm. or talked about, right? If it's being described in, in this kind of format, yeah. but but we know that that's not actually the most important thing that's being shared with the audience. I, I had to start getting creative when, when guests started coming back five, six, seven, eight times. And, and the questions that, that, you know, you answered at the beginning. And one of the questions I ask is if you could sit down to any cinematic meal, what would be your choice? Um, and I actually had to even like put one answer into the penalty box because it kept coming up so much. But I, I think about that because I can think about so many movies about food. Um, where food is not just a subject matter, but it is kind of a character within yes. the story. And what's so interesting to me, like when you put it that way, is that this is a movie that is so very much about food, but at the same time, like not at all about mm -hmm. food. You know, it, it's no. it's not it's not a device, and it's certainly not something that's just played paid lip service. Like it is very important in this movie, but it's it's not it's not about that. Um, which is which is really really interesting. I think for mm -hmm. me, the one thing you know, if if I were to be asked this question in a year, is for me it was actually really a matter of this film's gentleness. There's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's there are a lot of there are a lot of really low boil movies out there. You know that that it's kind of hard to sink your teeth into at home because people come in and out of the room, your phone lights up, you hear noises outside. It's harder to sink into a subtle film when you're, when you're not watching it in a theater, mm. but this film, um, it, it just takes you by the hand and it takes you through several things that are traumatic, but it does it in a way that it tells you it's going to be okay. Um, you, you know, like you're, you're going to get through this. It, it may hurt, you know, what you're, what you're going through or what, like what you're feeling right now or what you're about to feel or what you're dealing with is probably still leaving a lot of pain, but it's going to be all right and we're going to make it through. Um, this film has that embodied 
certainly in its image. Um, mm. You know, you it's it's. I love talking about this with you because I come to these movies from the visual, and you come to it from the script. Um, mm. But you know, it's 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 imagery is just so warm and gentle and soft uh, even sometimes when we go into like some unsavory corners it's still really warm and 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 soft um yeah it's it's a really really gentle movie um i don't see i don't agree with you i don't think it's it's really interesting i think it's lovely and i think it's powerfully rendered but i don't know that i actually felt like it was gentle in in key moments in the film and so maybe we'll get to those but like I didn't feel like even in the, I didn't feel even in the tender moments with between say him and the pig at the beginning, um, gentle is not the word I actually would have used to describe it. I might've said emotive, huh. you know what I mean? But yeah. for me, because I think I was always like, something's going to happen. Like I okay. actually felt wary of what was going to happen simply because of the setting. So maybe that's, maybe I'm untrained in terms of like, but I, I instinctively, I was wary. So gentle was not I the mean, word I would have chosen. Once, which is, so I like that you did because yeah. it's, it's a cool thing to see how somebody else would see yeah. the story. So, you know, you love this movie. What is it you love about this movie? I think I have, and somebody might not like me for saying this and that's okay, but I feel <laughs> like as a, as a feminist scholar, so I write about pedagogies of care in educational kind of circumstances and so caregiving and caretaking and you know caring relations as a concept um is so often attached to women Mm -hmm. and I feel like in this movie and and something that I find frustrating about a lot of films is that gender as a concept also doesn't get played out terribly in a terribly nuanced way because you need a star or two Mm -hmm. right like so it just doesn't so in this text right off the top you don't have any really key women Mm -hmm. you don't like that's the whole thing so it's a very male driven film and so initially i was like "Eh." i mean no country for old men same deal and yet you know these are two films that have really moved me and i think it's because now again you might say well then isn't that gentleness but no i'm like no for me it's the care sure that was shown for the food and for the pig and for like the environment of that kitchen, when you sort yeah. of see it, like in those, like that tiny little space, but there's mm-hmm. like care into yeah. that space. Yeah. I feel like that, it just is all very focused imagery that for me, let me just sit in what I already study in my own life and now applied it to this space. I love when my worlds can collide like that. That's, that's, I think that's it very was. cool. That's very, yeah. very cool. I, I was caught off guard with this movie. I think is why mm. one of the reasons why I really loved it is I, I swear I thought I was going into like taken, but with pigs. I thought okay. this was going to be Liam Neeson chasing after the person who stole his companion. And instead of it being a daughter, it was, you know, it was a pig because that was, it's, it's kind of how the movie was sold. Like the movie is uh. sold with the abduction and with him going into some of those seedier corners of like, I'm just looking to get my pig back. And I was like, you, I'm like, you gotta be kidding. What, are, what am I getting into here? Um, and totally. that is not at all what this movie is. Like, I mean, he, he is, yes, very much trying to get the pig back, but it's, it's not because he's any kind of a badass who's going to mess people up because they took his pig. I so seldom get surprised by a movie. And I think that was, that was why I really gravitated towards everything everywhere all at once, because I didn't, I don't think I knew what I was getting into at all. Lordy, I did not expect that. Yeah. With this, I kind of had a preconception of what I was getting into. Okay. Um, I did not expect what I got in terms of not just that it's not, you know, the violent chase for the companion, but also a lot of what you say about, caretaking and caregiving yeah. and yeah. gender roles, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie's incredible. Yeah. There are lots of really incredible elements, right? Like, again, I don't know that it's the one that I would, if I was given a choice of which one to teach, 
would I teach the whole film of this one versus like, whereas I really believe that No Country for Old Men is a concept, like as a film, yeah. conceptually held together all the way through. But I could definitely teach a scene. You know what sure. I mean? Like oh, I sure. could spend some time with that one. There are, yeah, and I there love are, it. And there I are just, several, yeah. actually. That's I think that's what I like yeah. too, is that it doesn't just come, it, it's not like a movie that hangs on one scene. It's not a movie no. that hangs on one final monologue and oh my God, it all comes together. That's where there are yeah, several right. moments yeah. in this movie yeah. that I think are really, really worth um, digging into um, this film has a lot to say about authenticity. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know you and I are both podcasters. We put, I mean, your show is very much more about your life and your relationship with your sister and your relationship with your family um, than mine is. I mean, my mm-hmm. life uh, certainly does graft into my show quite a bit, but even then, we are both putting a version of ourselves out into the public because nobody yes. puts everything about themselves into the public. No, yeah. The movie kind of looks at that and looks at like the authenticity of who you are, who you put forward, what you're doing. Um, I'm thinking specifically of there's a moment where their hunt for the pig takes them to this restaurant and uh, Nicholas Cage, a Robin looks so out of place in this restaurant because it's very, very bougie. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. the kind of place where they take the 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 crystal cover off the meal, and it like lets out some some gas fancy smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Neat trick. Yeah. Um, and he's sitting there, bloody. He's bloody the whole movie up until the very end. Yeah. Um, disheveled, wearing clothes that probably are pretty ripe, um, and completely out of place. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, like he listens to the waiter's bullshit ramble about the dish asked to see the chef and he basically cuts the chef down because mm-hmm. he's, he's trying to get some information and the chef just doesn't really want to give it to him. And he finds a way into this guy that on the one hand is really mean, but on the other hand, it's just, he's basically accusing the chef of being inauthentic. Yes. Of, yeah. This is what you wanted to do. I know this is what you wanted to do because I fired you, you know, before you had a chance to do it. What is this crap you're doing? This movie talks about that, about, you know, whether you go off into the woods and live on yourself or you take on a persona because it's how you're going to get ahead. Mm-hmm. This this idea of being still being your authentic self somehow. Mm-hmm. I remember an advisor of mine years ago, I tried to use the word authentic in in my, in like one of my papers, whatever. And he was like, what does that even mean? Like, what is authentic? Authentic to who? <laughs> and I remember at the time being like, oh, well, I don't know. I mean it. Like, it's just as, as it is. And then years now, years later, I I feel like I like how you've just summed that up because it is authentic to who? Like, who, yeah. what is authentic in this moment? And I feel like what was so beautiful about the authentic interaction between these two was actually says, like, I he's saying without saying that I listen to you. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I, we only were together for a short period of time before I fired you. But in that time I heard and saw you for you. Yeah. And I gave you that care, right. I mm-hmm. showed you that care. And then it's like, as soon as the man, the chef felt seen, like truly seen, he breaks down. Yeah. Right. And, and isn't that so human? I mean, we like, there's just such a desire to be seen, or at least I certainly feel that. So the authentic Natalie certainly feels that desire for someone to take the time to listen to the work that I put into whatever it is, whether again, it's a paper or a podcast, and then feel curious enough to, to see me mm-hmm. for the different kind of parts that of the story that is Natalie. So that authentic Part. I feel like authenticity in this film is really, you're right, like it's a really kind of under, it's an underpinning idea because yeah. we're left to wonder about what that is all about, right? Like what is each of these characters' version of that? Yeah, that one scene, it's very economic. It doesn't, la- I mean, the whole film is very economic. It's a 90-minute yes. movie. Um, yeah. I mean, props for that. Our time is totally. precious. Oh my thank, God. You, yeah. thank you so very much, yeah. um, uh, Mr. Mr. Sarnowski. I my, my hat is off to you, sir. Um, this film, along with, um, you know, bringing up thoughts of authenticity, you already kind of tapped on it. It is, it takes a very interesting look at 
masculinity. Um, Mm -hmm. Robin is a chef. A lot of this movie drifts through the world of gourmet food. That is a very, very, very macho world. And, you know, we, the, the whole core of this story is Robin has been rocked by an emotional, by, by grief. Um, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, you and your sister did an episode on grief. Um, there, there, everything that Nat is mentioning, by the way, in the show, and you're giving me a run, my, my post-it note is going to be filled by the time I go to edit this show. Um, there will be links in the show notes and for the love of God, please go and click and listen. Cause they're all wonderful content. Um, you did an episode about grief. Um, yes. you know, I've talked a lot about grief on this show. It's something that I think men still struggle with mm-hmm. and, and, and have, for millennia and it's led to a lot of terrible things um you know just because men by and large don't really know or are not taught how to feel this movie it it goes it it, again very economically it doesn't write a thesis paper but it it gets into masculinity in terms Mm -hmm. of how much men should and do take on how they express it whether it's recoiling out into the woods of oregon or whether it is belittling somebody else and stealing their property because it's going to make you feel better um i'm sure you have like all kinds of thoughts on this what did where did you see the idea and the role of masculinity in this movie that's such an interesting question because Again, I think with this film, I probably initially was just like, Bleh, this is going to be one of those movies that's just only focused on dudes yeah. and no no woman gets like a really great role here. Yeah. But because I, I actually like that in the end, what ended up happening with these male roles was that they were much more uh, breakdowns of archetypes than they were actually about the specific men themselves. Because you have like the the broken son, just like you have the broken chef. And then you have that the broken father figure in sort of the villain. Mm-hmm. And none of them are real. Do you know what I'm saying? Like none of these are characters that you could like get inside them and go, I relate to you as like a human because mm-hmm. they were much more about like, for me anyways, they as characters were larger than life and not, so therefore more than human, like almost in that kind of going back to kind of Greek mythology, you've got these characters that like gods that you're not supposed to empathize with, but you recognize. Does that make sense? So, you know, so like when I think of, of the Amir character, right. I mean, like I, he's, he's presented as really, really weak, right. Like he's weak minded and weak, weak bodied in many ways he's out he's out to prove something like you you can tell right from the get-go like his suits his car his constantly listening to opera because who's listening to opera at age like 30 you know it's like you are you're clearly trying to craft an image that is not you why and we learn why and it's like okay i don't know if you're going about this the right way son (laughs) but you know what what it was for me so like the amir character at first was the one that felt the most real to me like the you know the because i felt like okay yeah i could see you posing in response to some negative experience with a parent like i mean that i worked for much of for 20 years i was an english teacher with high schoolers so i recognize a lot of those habits and tendencies but where it became other like it became archetypal and bigger characters for me was when I, I just kind of clued into him being a little bit more like that. Oh my gosh, you're going to know this. Who's the one that tried to, who's the Greek God that tried to fly with the sun? Icarus. Thank you. So there was an Icarus-esque-ness to him Mm -hmm. when he was flying along in his super fancy, and I feel like it was yellow, car yeah, yeah it is yeah and so i feel like i'm so that's when i'm going oh my goodness the symbols in this film are too obvious and blatant sure for me not to spend time with them and if you're giving me that much symbol yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then then i'm not supposed to care so deeply for this character because i don't think this is then about the character as an individual it's about what the character represents to me as the audience member so mm-hmm. that's why then the gender part didn't matter so much because i'm like well then if it's not about him as a man as much as it's him as a human and what and what grief does to this one and what loneliness does to this one and what 
do, do you know what I'm saying? I do. Like, yeah. I think as a woman that gave me a way in for okay. myself, but it also let me then look conceptually at what you're saying about like issues of masculinity as things that this director wanted to touch on, but also wanted to complicate. So am I giving anything away if I talk about kind of like a, no, I mean, am I so, to talk about a fight club thing? Yeah, let's, let's do that because a couple things like this movie is, it's been around for a year. And if people mm-hmm. are worried about us talking about the ending, I, I mean, we're both coming down on the side that you should watch this movie. So if you, yes. if you're, if you're really worried, I don't think this is a movie that a person can spoil, but no. I do feel that there is context about like later things that we want to talk about, but yeah, mm-hmm. talk, uh, go ahead. So like the fight club scene, which mm-hmm. is essentially right. Like all these restaurant workers in a, in a basement of the yeah. city somewhere fighting and, and getting out all of their anger. Yeah. I remember as a family, I was sitting together afterwards and talking, not with my eight year old, by the way. So this is just all the adults <laughs> in the room talking about this one and saying, so what do you think that was about? And for me, I think because I've had like my brother-in-law on my husband's side, like I've got a number of people on that side of the family who have been in the restaurant industry. I know how ugly things can get in that world. Yeah. And at the same time, what this was, was very obviously not true. Does that make sense? Like this was supposed to be sort of almost like this magic realism moment that kind of shows up in the middle of a film. Yeah. But it wasn't that magic magical realist kind of it wasn't so just sort of dropped in because all these other symbols had been showing up already all the way through and so that's why it made so much sense to me in there because I'm like well this is obviously not about this is about those folks in that industry feeling powerless constantly being beholden to you know like what it means to again this goes back to the caregiving and what it like, means to serve like, what it means to serve yeah. exactly and what it means then to be treated badly in response yeah and i mean in in my care studies area a lot of the studies that have been done have been done on flight attendants okay. and that is an area where caregiving is not there is no relation right no. there's no caring relation between the two and yeah. they are often abused and so it's just interesting restaurant workers are not that different and mm. so there was like those in that service industry suffer in many ways. Yeah. And and then there's anger. So yeah. when they're suffering, there is anger. That's what that whole thing was doing for me. It just was like, my sister's like, no, but it, it could also, and she's brilliant, right? So like Rebecca's not looking at this. She's a filmmaker. This mm-hmm. is not her looking at this with any sort of naivete, but from her, from a storytelling perspective, she's looking at that scene and going, she's searching for the authenticity in it. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm totally comfortable with this being symbolic. Yeah. Like this being like an inserted. It's the only, I mean, what gets me about that scene is it's the only time that we really, you know, go down a circle of hell. You know, yes. we're kind of, we're kind of staying on circle number one with, you know, with whichever the first sinner is. We're kind of staying there with a lot of this film. <laughs> and for a moment there, we go down a circle and I'm like, oh, and it, it kind of seems like we're going to descend. That's yeah, because it's like, grim, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to, you know, we're going to go down seven spirals and maybe there'll be a pig at the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. But then we kind of quickly come back up and deal with, you know, that after that is when we get to the part where we already talked about with the chef and the maitre d' and the bougie restaurant and you yes. know, being your authentic self. So we resurface in much more real ways. That's the thing. That part for me, actually, it, it's it was a strange detour. Okay. on this film i did still enjoy it but it was just it it that was where it started to feel like taken i'm like okay this is where we're this is where we're going to be going um yeah meanwhile you know as i said when we came back up and we started having conversations with chefs and conversations with you know with with uh, with, with um alex's father and actually get to the point of this movie that was where i was like okay this is the story we were telling mm-hmm. that was just some weird little detour just to get the information out um mm-hmm. and it's it's a strange digression um, because it, it it takes away from all of these other really, really interesting and much subtler things than, you know, I need to be beaten up to get to the truth. To um, get to feeling, right? Yeah. To like let me feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is what um, I think what he was doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the, you know, so so we already said that we're going to talk about the end of this movie, and, and I want to. Um, we realize that this is a film about trauma and how two very different men are processing the 
you know, let's get real, very real trauma of losing a partner Mm -hmm. and how that has come into their lives. It's interesting to see how one of them sacrifices and Mm -hmm. atones and recludes Mm -hmm. away from the world and how another one has chosen to start taking. He also recludes, like he also is living very solitary, very much more cushy than Robin Mm -hmm. is. That's for darn Mm -hmm. sure. But, you know, his coping mechanism is just burying himself in work. One is like, I'm just, I got to get out of this. And the other is, well, at least I can still run my business. You know, those two things colliding with a meal. Lovingly prepared. Uh, a great little, like, I, I thought it was a great little device. It yes. kind of, it stretches credulity a little bit. But I do know that that does exist where people do remember everything it's it's a condition it's it's very very rare it's not yeah, it's beyond yeah, are, it's beyond yeah. photographic memory it's yep, it's something yep. with um the, one of the actors on taxi has it um, okay. where, where she can remember that on uh you know 851 of august 17th natalie davy was wearing a pink tank top okay. uh, you, you, like like to that degree yeah. this guy has that and you kind of realize when that comes forward this is a guy who has probably really suffered because Mm -hmm. if he's housing all of this oh yeah yeah yeah. i read about this you're right yeah you know he it's it's got to be so hard for him to let go him going off into the woods and just living by himself is probably the closest thing he can do to sensory deprivation um i thought the payoff of this movie was fantastic oh that's so interesting okay again do you agree with me then if I say, because I don't think it was about, for me, it wasn't a, like, there, I didn't find that incredulous that that was happening because I didn't think it was real. Like, I really just honestly was like, none of these characters are real to me. They are all versions of a bigger thing. And okay. I actually, by that point in the film where yeah. the three of them sat down to that meal, I was yeah, yeah. like, it's one, this is one big person. Like I hadn't thought of that. Three- I, 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 I mean, agree or disagree is not the word. I actually yeah. hadn't considered that. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a wonderful reading. I really, that for me, that's how I read it because I wow. really just felt like they, or if you want to kind of remove the kid from it, you could say the two men are the same person and that they I just saw. have different parts. But I did, I kind of liked it though. I, I remember lying in bed that night sort of thinking about this. And I'm like, is he, is he not about the son? Because right. in that, when we grieve, there is a return to like to the why grief hits and often grief is connected back to loss and loss mm-hmm. goes back in memory. And so therefore there could be, especially when that one scene shows where you've got the son character kind of curled up in a fetal position in his fancy car yeah, is not that different than the father curled up in his mind, in his fancy office alone. Yeah. So like to me, I could, I could sort of like story it that way, but the point being none of it, I didn't have to believe any of it because I was like, oh, we're dealing with symbols here. <laughs> right? and so then Everybody was just what they were supposed to be for me to understand something more important, which was how am I going to deal with grief Yeah. when it hits? Because it's going to, and it yeah. has. Yeah. And when it happens again, am I going to turn to the part of myself that gets angry? Because those those waiters did in the mm-hmm. basement, you know, like in that little lower circle of hell. But so does the, so does the father figure in that office where he wants to take out of anger at life and loss. He yeah. takes, as and you the, say. The difficult thing is it's all valid, right? Like yes. everybody grieves differently. Yeah. And like that, that has been, I think the biggest lesson of my adult life is just how, varied and how different and how uh you know just wide of an array there is of people processing their grief how long it will take some Mm -hmm. just never stop Mm -hmm. um you know that that's that's the interesting thing about watching these two people who have gone through something you know not quite identical but very very similar so similar yeah and and how they're and how they're dealing with it and how one is i mean you know you can kind of see that meal as a few different ways on the one hand it could be I remember you, even if you don't remember me and Mm -hmm. I want what, you know, I want what I came here for. Another way is I know what you're going through. You know, like I've, Mm -hmm. I've been where you are Mm -hmm. and this is my way of telling you that I saw you, you know, in your weakest moment because I'm there too. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of ways to read it. And I just, I don't know. I, maybe I took it a little more surface. Um, 
Like no, I, I do like beautiful. the way that you, I, I do like the way that you're talking about it being like the two sides of the same thing. Mm. I think why I like this film and why I like a lot of the different films I've mentioned is because you can maybe do that, right? And maybe I wouldn't have read it the way that I have had I watched it at a different time. Like maybe mm-hmm. if I hadn't been spending so much time with writing food recipes whilst writing a show, whilst writing papers, you know what I mean? Like maybe I wouldn't see yeah. all of the interconnections the way that I do, but I, I am kind of a, I'm sort of a concatenator. I, I learned that term when I watched Lee Markle, this um, Canadian, you know, indigenous novelist who just passed away during the midst of the pandemic. Spell and she, that word? Lee, oh, concatenation? Yes. Con, C-O-N, cat, C-A-A-T. So con, cat, te, e E nation concatenation and I learned as a word from her when she spoke at a talk that I I had the privilege of attending that she was talking about it meaning things coming together right Mm. I mean so like basically linking ideas but then my brother-in-law who's like a biologist or like sciencey fancy stuff he is like oh that's like a science term that's on his business card right (laughs) really fancy stuff but but like so she as a literary genius was pulling this science term in and i'm like ah that's so what i do without even meaning to and now i feel so validated in my work because if these two smart people are saying that that's what you're allowed to do i'm doing it and so i think i do it with film i think i do tend to bring pieces of my life outside in with the film and and isn't that i would actually say that's pretty relatable and natural i just i'm doing it through symbols so that's what i did with this film yeah i mean and what i've what i have uh brought to this whole experiment over 15 years is i Mm -hmm. you know i've readily said i am not nearly the smartest critic or writer that you'll find i'll point you to a lot of much smarter people but what i can do reasonably well is articulate my emotions and Mm -hmm. the best films no matter what they're about um they make me feel something they make me either feel sympathy or anger or they they help me understand the world around me and you know the the old roger ebert quote about movies being empathy machines and i think i've probably set a world record for the amounts of times i've said empathy on this podcast Mm -hmm. um uh, that's that's what I you know watching this and watching people like watching people process watching people isolate watching people bond in mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. their in their sadness and in their grief those were things that I felt and mm-hmm. I was like I I see that I I've, I understand you know I don't know exactly this one because my partner's still here you know as as yeah. of as of eight fifty eight on Wednesday August seventeenth <laughs> um, you know but I. I feel these feelings and I'm able to articulate them and, and recognize what I, what I saw and what I I felt in my brain and in my heart. Um, You know, there, there's a lot to this movie and we could be talking about it for hours. Um, We just can't unfortunately, but we do uh, end our podcast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. And there's a lot in this movie. Uh, Natalie Davey, what would be your souvenir from pig? I would say Robin's cast iron pan. That's a he, good pan. Yeah, it was it's well seasoned. Such a good, yeah, <laughs> such a good pan. I'm like, yeah. really, honestly, and I think it represents so much just to me. So I'm like taking a symbol for myself from the from the piece. That's a good one. I uh, I want to try that squab or that that pheasant, whatever it was he was making at the end. Yeah. Um, that that very very gamey, very simple bird. Like I yeah. what I I love how his food is so uncomplicated it is the complete opposite of the 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 bougie you know this infused that steamed on a bed of this um it's just it's real it's stuff that could have been made 100 years ago Mm -hmm. probably was Mm -hmm. um i i want to try that 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 dinner that that, you know sends uh his his rival um on on a over trip. the edge yeah <laughs> um we rate here on the mountain cast on a scale of one to four stars um not what do you give pig on a scale of one to four i give it 3.8 am i allowed sure yeah okay, okay yeah i'd say 3.7 or 8 okay i don't three... think it's quite at four but i think no. it's like pretty up there yeah in terms of uh, having made me think and feel yeah that, yeah which i think is a big deal yeah, very much so. Um, I'm going to go with a 3.5. It was, it was, okay. it, it's something, as I said, like what it does well, it does really, really well. Mm-hmm. The, the, as I said, that one turn into hell took a little bit of a strange twist for right. me, but, yeah. um, 
but I really, really did appreciate it. Nicholas Cage is amazing in this movie. I love so much of, of, of what they do. Um, there mm-hmm. we go. We love this movie. Maybe you will as well. Let us know. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, where I am matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. Uh, what do you think of pig? We're not really going to do the other side um, on this one because reasons. Um, but what were like, you've mentioned a few, what were some films that you thought about that people could go to after pig? If they, if they want kind of more or a complimentary watch. Yeah, so I really think that people should watch Babette's Feast. Oh, yes. I think that as a film that is also very much like symbol-laden and food-invested, <laughs> I think that that one would be really excellent. I, I like think it. That, yeah. Big oh. Night is an easy one to kind of go to yeah. because it's a fun food film, but I think if we're talking about, if we're emphasizing what I saw in this one, which was the symbol piece, I think that Babette's Feast is where to go. I think the first one for me that jumped out um, was one of my favorite films from 2020. There were some. I know people forgot that there were films that were released that year, but there were. Film directed by Kelly Reichardt from 2020. First Cow. Have you ever seen this movie? No, but I did read about it. So was also, it wonderful? Yes. Also not about a cow. I mean, it is about a cow, but it's not about a cow. Um, okay. Another film where there's real tenderness, real attention to the land, attention to the yeah. preparation. This is a film that I think is really a good study in gender role as well in male cool. relationship in like, like male friendship, male relationship. Um, Cause it's two uh, cooks that are both kind of cast offs from their um, pioneer groups. Like they're, they're uh, effeminate is the wrong word, but they're, they're softer. This is, I mean, you know, this is taking place in the 1800s. Okay. So men at the time are real, real hard, basically. Cause if you're not, you're probably going to die. Um, but there is still, you know, a need and a role for men who are not super hard, who are caregivers, nurturers, like gatherers, you know, and, what that means um it's it's beautiful it's stunning it's really tender uh i love it to pieces i still am so unhappy i haven't been able to see it in the theater yet mm. but um it was one of my favorite films of that year okay. so first cow um it's also there's a lot of food in that movie too so it works it works great in that respect um so there we go yeah babette's feast um that's an all-timer if you haven't yeah. seen it for the love of god see it first cow yeah. check it out um and that is a very brisk uh season finale of the matinee cast episode 291 i am so freaking thankful that Natalie was able to give me some time and come by. Uh, come on back after the um, after the break, Monday, October third, episode two ninety two. Not sure what we're going to be talking about yet, but I'll figure it out, and there'll be flags. Um, Natalie is on Reframables, which you can find on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Um, also on break, when you guys are coming back out of your hiatus, what do you got coming up? You still have. Wait a minute. You still have one summer series left to go. You guys do- we have one summer series left. We're going to do that one next week. So actually, when you said we're taking a break, I was like, are we? No, not really. We your, your, this week. your episode that was up today said you were taking a break. Yeah, what we took today. To we took uh, today as the break. Uh, so that, this is our break. No, you know who we okay. have coming up, which is pretty exciting. We have Giller winner um, Ian Williams is going to really? be on the show. Yeah, Very which is cool. pretty exciting. So we'll be speaking with him, reframing memoir. So we're pretty excited about that. And um, we also have Leah McLaren, who I am was she with the star with the glow but anyway she's got a big memoir coming out too so we do tend to we we do interviews with a lot of artists because my sister and i both tend to be art forward in terms of our thinking around reframing and we find that artists really do have a like-minded way of kind of delving into the deep stuff with us so it's pretty exciting when we get some fun authors on there who are willing to to do some of that work so that's happening in september so yeah we've got one more just the two of us and then we've got some cool interviews coming up chef sang from yeah so we've got some neat people coming on so if anybody's interested in connecting you know what connecting food and trauma that's what we're reframing with him so people might be a nice follow-up to this can't wait to hear it uh and if people want to follow you and or the show on twitter where can people find you so everything is reframables so reframables on instagram it's reframables on twitter nice and easy some great branding good work we like to make it really simple for everybody (laughs) and if you're a tiktok person you can even find us there at at reframables very nice (laughs) my site is the matinee.ca 
for more audio content, you can find back episodes on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google, Stitcher Radio, Apple, TuneIn, Radio Public. If there's podcasts there, I'm probably there. If I'm not, let me know. I'll put my show there. It's real easy. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Pig or any of the movies we talked about today uh, can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, Brian at the matinee.ca. On Twitter, I am matinee underscore CA. My branding game was not nearly as good. Um, <laughs> or facebook.com slash dark matinee. Nat, any final thoughts? I love you. I really appreciate Aww. that you gave me this time, Ryan. <laughs> Honestly. Oh my goodness. Guys, I don't think everybody understands what a wonderful human he is, really, at his core. This, this person stippled me which was an it's an art term for those who are not sort of visual artists a, a picture of phil collins when i was 15 and <laughs> that has never gone away that is the type of human being who is leading these discussions with you so you were being very self-deprecating and talking about how what you don't know and i think that you're brilliant and i'm really appreciative of this time with you would you believe i know exactly where that picture is <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what we talked about it when we, when we reconnected before the yeah. show, we talked about that show and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's in this drawer. Went into that drawer. I'm like, yeah, there, there it is. is. How about that? Aww, um, you're very kind. Thank you so much for Natalie. I'm Ryan. Thank you for another wonderful season. We'll see you at the matinee. Take care.